those of you who know me well know that I probably should have brought more than one Kleenex up here with me. There's something about hearing children empowered to praise God in the ways that they feel called to do it. Thank you for your patience with them. Before I get started with my message for you, I want to pause and say a few words about the children with whom I work. One thing I didn't write down, and I didn't know this was going to happen, standing here, I really wish that you guys could sometimes trade places with me when we have a children's message or when they are going to sing, when they are sitting together. The sound. <laughs> awesome. Amazing. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. You're not going to have to listen to this the whole time, I promise. I do want to tell you that these boys and girls are fabulous. We had a wonderful, thoughtful time of learning together about worship. One of the best things that we did was an honest discussion about what we like about worship and, well, what's not exactly our favorite stuff. Using that discussion and some of the other stuff that we learned, we created this service. So if there are things that you really like, that's great. And if there's stuff that you don't like, that's okay too, because there's stuff that we don't like every week too. But it's what lo worship looks like when we're all together. I'd also like to say thank you to my wonderful um, helpers this morning and the teachers who teach on a regular basis. And I'm going to walk away from the pulpit and get a Kleenex. So this morning, I had Miss Jenny Rao and Taylor Early and Deanne Early and um, I think that's it. Oh, and Pastor Bob, wherever he is, helping to corral and get everybody where they needed to go. Thank you, parents, for getting your children here on time this morning. And thank you, all of the people who helped us get them where they needed to be. I also want to say a huge word of thanks to you as a congregation. There aren't many places, and I've worked lots of places, not lots, but enough to know that there are churches where this would not happen. And so I want to say thank you to a congregation who encourages, supports, and guides these children as they learn and grow. There are some significant studies that have shown that young adults who have a personal faith that is stuck with them through college and into young adulthood are those who have had a lifelong engagement in intergenerational worship and have been invested in by at least five adults outside their own family. Your presence here today, supporting these children and their families, will help these children as they become people who worship, love, grow, and serve Jesus long after they've left this children's ministry and this church. And you can't even imagine the benefit or the reward that will come from what you've invested in them. And so, Thank you for what you've already done and continue to do it and continue to pray for them as they grow. And now for a couple of things that we've learned along the way. Some of the things that we learned we didn't like, we realized that we could learn to like better if we practiced them more or differently. We are going to practice one of those things now and it doesn't happen very often in worship. We decided that there's not much time in worship to all of us be quiet in a quiet room. We fill the time with music and praying and talking, 
So there's much, not much time set aside just to listen to or for God. So I'm going to set a timer for one minute, and we're just going to be quiet. It might feel uncomfortable because it's different, but that's okay. Worship should be different than any other time that you spend during your week. You can pray silently if you want, or you can look around if you want, but we're all just going to sit quietly together before God. Thank you, God, for being present in our singing, in our praying, and in our silence. Amen. The next thing that was most often listed, uh, listed on the not-so-much list when we made our list was the message time. Don't you know? It's the part I get to do. And it's not any reflection on Dr. Lee or Matthew or John or me or whoever else is standing here talking to you. It's just a longer time of sitting still than we're used to. So, as we're starting this longer time of sitting, let me give you a couple of words to listen for, and this is good for big people and for small ones. You can listen for these words, character or person, and I'm going to treat that like one word, story, and willing, or willingness. Each time you hear one of those words, make a tally mark, come and see me at the end of worship, and let me see how many you got, and we'll compare notes and see if you heard them all. Now I'd like all of us to think about the scripture that we had read for us and that we read together a few minutes ago. Other than the resurrection of Jesus, this is the only story that appears in all four Gospels. So there's something about this story that says, pay attention. So today we're going to pay attention to the different people that we see in this passage. A lot of scripture can be thought of as scenes in a big play or small parts of a really big story. Each scene has different characters that help to tell the big story. If you've ever watched a movie or read a book, you know that each character is an important part of the story, but usually for different reasons. And when we talk about the characters or people of the story, we can see ourselves in that bigger story too. So as you're listening today, see which person or maybe more than one that maybe reminds you of yourself. Today's important part of the big story of God and of God's people has four main people or groups of people, as I see it. First, there's Jesus, of course, and then there are his followers, who the Bible calls disciples. We sometimes call them Jesus' friends or Jesus' helpers, and that's how they're referred to a lot of times in children's Sunday school literature. I group the disciples together as one person, even though two of them, Philip and Andrew, are specifically named in this gospel account of the story. Then there's the little boy. And lastly, 
I lumped the crowd all together as one person too because they're just kind of there and they're talked about as a group not as individual people and because we're not really going to talk about them much today only enough to say that they were out in the country following Jesus around and they got hungry really hungry so because there's this huge hungry crowd now we get to know these other characters and they are really who I want us to think about as we're talking about being willing to share and make a difference. Willingness is a really important thing. Being willing to do something and actually doing it are two very different things. Have you ever been willing to do something but just sat around waiting to be asked? Or maybe you've been not so willing and did it anyway, grumbling the whole time. Or maybe you've been not so willing, did nothing, and grumbled about it, about even being asked. I've done all these things, and I know from your giggles that you probably have too, or at least know somebody who has. And we see these kinds of people and these kinds of responses in the people in the Bible. The disciples are the ones that I most often identify with in a Bible text. These guys always seem to be in the right place at just the right time, but sometimes they totally miss the point of what's going on. Just before the part of the story that we read today, Jesus had sent the disciples out to preach. It's kind of like they were in school. Jesus taught them what to do, how to preach, how to take care of others, how to show people the kingdom of God becoming real here on earth. He had said to them, y'all need to take care of my sheep. These crowds of people who were following me around, feed them, feed my sheep. So now the part of the story we just read has the disciples coming back. And here was Jesus giving them a kind of quiz or a test. The text said Jesus knew what he was going to do. He was just testing them. You would think that after having practiced, they would do a better job on the test or at least maybe recognize that there was a test. Well, that didn't do, they didn't do so well. They kind of whined and complained and asked where they were supposed to find bread. And if they did find it, how would they even pay for it? They didn't appear to be very willing to do anything, much less anything that was out of the ordinary to make an immediate difference in the lives of those who were so desperate to be so close to Jesus. And really, honestly, that's where I see myself sometimes. I've been taught what to do, how to make a difference, how to use what I have to show others the Jesus that I know. But whether it's because I'm too busy or too afraid or I'm too slow or tired or just plain miss the fact that I've been given an opportunity, I find myself, like the disciples in this story, unwilling or unable to do what needs to be done to make a difference in a person's life, to help them be closer to Jesus. So, when the little boy with the fish and the loaves appears in the story, it makes me wonder how he became a part of the story in the first place. None of the gospel texts gives the boy a name or tells where he came from or how he came to share his lunch. That's not unusual because in that culture, boys and girls really didn't have much value. That was one of the ways that Jesus was turning that culture on its head. He was saying, boys and girls have value from the beginning. You need to value them. Every children's Sunday school lesson that I have found about this scripture is titled something like, The Little Boy Who Shared. We're all taught that, right? Have you guys had that story where the little boy shared his lunch? You've seen pictures of him? Well, 
the lesson is always about sharing what we have and making a difference. But as I've studied for this message, my wondering mind, because I do have a wondering and sometimes wandering mind, it's asked a lot of questions about this little boy. Did the little boy really offer his lunch? We're taught that he did. We're taught basically that he walked up to him and said, here's my lunch. Maybe he overheard the disciples' conversation with Jesus, and he said something that children might say. My mom made me this lunch, and she taught me to share. I know it's not much, but maybe you could use it to help a little bit. That's what I like to think happened. Another thing I thought of, though, was maybe the disciples just looked around, and they happened to see this little guy. Maybe they were just using him and what he had or what he didn't have in their minds to make a point. Hey, Jesus, there's nothing out here. I'm telling you, that little bit that this little boy has is just a tiny drop in the bucket. See, that proves we have no way to feed this crowd. Whether the little boy was initially willing or not, we don't have any way to know. But because there's no record of a screaming temper tantrum with the little boy yelling, get your hands off my lunch, we have to assume that he was eventually willing on some level to share what he had. He's now a part of the bigger story of God, sharing what little bit he had so that others can eat and so that they could be close to Jesus that day. This is sometimes where I see myself too. I might have something that I could share, and whether I'm willing or not, it gets commandeered for a cause. And I'm okay with that. Well, at least I try not to throw a fit anyway, at least not one that might show up in the Bible. Even better are the times that I see I have something, even if it's small, like a car and a few minutes to take somebody to the grocery store if they need it, and I share it willingly. Those are times that I know I'm closest to doing the best things that God has taught me. Sadly, I feel like those times are fewer and further between than God would like. Now we're left to look at the last person in the story. And this is the place that I struggle the most to identify with one of the people. I can't imagine being Jesus. Can you imagine being Jesus? I, I can't imagine being Jesus. For several reasons. I mean, one, you're God and you can do anything. And how do you keep that power in check? I mean, you could do whatever you wanted. I think today we'd be tempted to do whatever we wanted. But he spent his time teaching his disciples preaching the good news of God's kingdom come to earth, which was him, trying to help those who needed it most, battling the ideas of the day that put people in categories and put them out to the edges where nobody cared about them, being tired in body, mind, and spirit because so much was asked of him every single day, and still he gave more and more. That is, I think, the highest and best definition of being willing to make a difference in people's lives. Being willing to give and help and love others, even when it seems like you don't have anything left to give. And then, when it seems those who are closest to you need it more and more. And that's pretty much the story of Jesus' life in the world, in the work in the world and in us. Jesus spent as much time as he could teaching others about God and God's kingdom and what they were like. He talked to his disciples about God, yes, but he also showed them what God looks like. He gave them and us examples of how to live like God wants us to, and he gave the disciples and us 
a lesson in being willing to give everything you have so that others can live and know God. Jesus gave everything he had. Everything. That's the kind of willingness that I want to aspire to, even though I fall short every single day. I think all of us do. Think that and fall short. As I was preparing my message this week, I was driving in the car um, with Sarah Grace and Valerie, I think in Texas, but I'm not sure. It was a big flat place wherever we were. And I ran across a song um, from a group called Need to Breathe. And some of you may be familiar with Need to Breathe. This song spoke so plainly to me about Jesus and the difference that he makes in the lives of people that I asked Valerie to stop it and play it again. And we talked about it for a long time. The song also speaks to me about how we, as those who follow Jesus, should be willing to make a difference in other people's lives too. The song spoke so powerfully and so much to me, especially after talking to the children and how we had talked about how different is not bad, it's just different, that I've asked and arranged for this to be played while we observe the first part of communion together. I hope you'll be open to the message of the words as you think about Jesus' willing sacrifice for you. And I hope if it's not your favorite part, you don't at least tell me.